It's great to see a full crowd today. It's good to see everybody interacting and friendly and all that. That's good. I think I got a little echo going here. The um, occasion while your pastor is dressed up is because of the big wedding weekend. What do you think? Yeah, next week you can all dress up. How about that? I got a little going there. The, um, my name is Carrie. If you're new, I want to just say thanks for coming, being a part of the Awakening. Uh, we are just a relaxed family who desires to be intense about becoming fully alive in Christ and to his mission. And so we are glad that you're at the Awakening this morning. And uh, if you're looking for church, we'd love to have you be a part of our church. But most important, I want you to be where God wants you to be. And uh, we are um, at a unique place as a church. And I'd just like us to pray uh, before we lead off this morning. Lord Jesus Christ, we acknowledge your presence here. We've worshipped you in song. May we worship you in truth. May you take the scales off our eyes to see the things and see the world as you see it. And Lord, may we see you as you truly are. High and lifted up. The one who was slain and rose again from the grave to bring about victory for all of us and for every single person in this valley. We pray, Lord Jesus Christ, that our hearts truly would be awakened this morning to something bigger and grander than who we are in and of ourselves. And maybe the journey that we've traveled in recent years, maybe our whole life, even as believers, Lord, may we not allow that which we've experienced to limit us from that which you desire for us to seize hold of. And so, Lord, we thank you here this morning that we're able to gather as friends and family and look to your word and to continue our worship. For you, indeed, are the one who is high and lifted up. In your name we pray. Amen. I don't know if you're into the royal family. Uh, some people are. Other people are like, what? You know, I was reading a Facebook post by sort of a cynic high school friend of mine this week. Is like, I don't understand all this. You know, and he filled in the blank about the royal wedding kind of stuff. <laughs> to which somebody responded to him and said, well, it's better than all the other news that we have to listen to these days, right? And so let your heart be captured with a little bit of sense of wonder and that kind of thing. And whether you got up early or just saw it on review, um, Harry and Meghan got married yesterday, and there was a lot of pomp and galore and, and crowds that were going on. We had uh, uh, an interesting view of it when you look at the, what they call the long road, I guess. Was that what it is, where they uh, ended up being able to take the carriage and the crowds that were there? And uh, I mean, quite a, a spectacle kind of experience. Now, the weird and bizarre thing was that there was another posting on Facebook, and that was my son was actually there. Oh. Ryan has been uh, fascinated by the royal family, and he actually works at uh, UCP, United K Productions, where Megan actually was on one of their shows that he works for called Suits, and so he had that personal connection, but that's not why he was there. He wasn't personally invited. He just had a cheap ticket to go to London, and I think he's going to France and some other places with some friends. And it just so happened to be on the weekend of the wedding. And so they made their way there, and they actually had pretty good spots. That picture of her waving like that, that's actually a picture he took when he yelled out her name, I think. And so um, it's just bizarre. It's like one of those Forrest Gump moments. Like, what's he doing there? You know? Anyway, Ryan. What is it? So anyway, I was excited to see that he has sort of had some of the fulfillment of that. And he had some other uh, friends from APU and professors that are actually there. And so his worlds all came together. But this whole thing of looking at royalty, for some people, it's silly. For other people, they're very endeared to it. But I think there's something in our spirit that calls out for a sense of majesty and royalty and wonder. It's not found in human beings, ultimately, though, you know, uh, the monarchy and all that they try to do in the UK, that's great. But it's found in our Lord Jesus Christ. And we have a destiny that stands before us. 
And I want to talk about that destiny today, because if we do not have a vision of where we are going in the future, then we can't live life backwards to understand what we're to be doing today. And so I've entitled today simply this, the beauty of the bride and the grander vision of the groom, the beauty of the bride and the grander vision of the groom. Scriptures teach that the church, not a building, not a title on the outside of a door, the church of Jesus Christ, those who are followers of Jesus Christ, the called out ones, ecclesia is the biblical word, from not only this town, not only this nation, not only the whole world as it presently exists, but all people who have become followers of Jesus throughout all time, past, present, and future. If someone has crossed over the line of faith and said, I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and he is my Savior, then you are a part of the church, Big C. And that church, Big C, is referenced in Scripture as the Bride of Christ. Now, it doesn't specifically say the Bride of Christ anywhere in Scripture, but there's four passages that I would like to, and I've been looking forward to doing this, trying to, to intermingle these four passages for us to be able to have a heart of understanding of what does this mean? If we're looking to a future of our life, especially for a follower of Jesus, we're a part of that church, we're a part of what's called the Bride of Christ. As we look to the future and then look back to what we're be, to be doing today, what does it mean that we are to be a bride who has beauty. And what does it mean about the groom who would be Christ and he is the one who has the grander vision? And how do those things come together? So the first passage I want to take us to is in the end times. In the book of Revelation, chapter 19, 6 through 9 says this. This is John's vision, okay? End times, future, looking ahead. Then I heard again what sounded like the shout of a vast crowd or the roaring of a mighty ocean waves or the crash of loud thunder. Now, did any of you watch the parade going down this thing yesterday? I had a, a clip of it. I thought about showing it was what? It was loud. They were cheering. Oh, yeah, there you are. Right? Can you comprehend and picture on the final day? All the church of Jesus Christ throughout all ages gathered together. And I don't know how all that's going to look, but it's going to be loud. You think our music here is loud sometimes. Wait until you get there. Bring your earplugs, I guess. It's going to be loud as they worship the one. And it says this then in verse 7. Praise the Lord, for the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and let us give honor to Him. For the time has come for the wedding feast of the Lamb. And His bride has prepared herself. She has been given the finest of pure white linen to wear. For the fine linen represents the good deeds of God's holy people. We'll stop there. The wedding feast. You ain't seen nothing until you sat down at the wedding feast. People from every tribe, language, and nation throughout all time. There will not be a lack of food, but there will not be a lack of honor and glory in that setting. And it says here about the bride, that the beauty of the bride, part of the beauty of the bride is the pure white linens that she wears. And these linens represent the good deeds of God's holy people. Now, we all know scripture is pretty clear that we're sinners and there is no way that any sin gets into heaven. And the only way that you and I can be cleansed of our sin is because of the work that Jesus did in shedding his blood, his life on the cross, being raised from the grave. What he did applied to our life, forgives our sin, cleanses us from sin, makes us spotless. There are no good deeds that anyone in this room or anyone outside this room can ever do to be able to get to the wedding feast of the Lamb. It's by faith alone through what Christ has done and believing and following him. However, it says that the bride, once she's there, is adorned by the good deeds of the holy people. Do you ever think about the deeds that you do, kind acts, steps of faith that you take to encourage others as helping adorn you as part of the bride? And not just you as individuals. I, I think of us, because I'm sort of pastor of the church, or I think of us as a whole church. 
And what are we doing that's getting ourselves adorned with beautiful linens of God's glory because of the deeds that we're giving and offering him in this world? Some of the stuff, different ones of you have done this week. Maybe it's a kind word. Maybe it's just offering some help to somebody. You think it goes unnoticed? On that day at the wedding feast of the Lamb, it will not be unnoticed. Keep on doing good. Scripture says that God has prepared good works in advance for us to do because we're his workmanship. He's working on us, crafting us, creating us. And as he does that, we are to serve him. And so they're shouting and they're declaring and it's loud and it's bombastic. Here's the wedding feast of the lamb. John goes on and he says this. And the angel said to me, write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding feast of the lamb. Then he added, these are true words that come from God. So maybe as you see ongoing things this week, articulating about the royal wedding. Maybe you can reflect on the beauty of you being invited, not to just be a part lined on the crowd. You're invited as a believer in Christ someday to sit at the wedding feast of the Lamb, and you will be around that inner table. You see, our life gets so cluttered and bombarded by evil and other discouraging things, and sometimes your work week's just tough. You need to set your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the hand of God. Set your hearts on things above, not on earthly things. Scripture says, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. You have an identity as a follower of Jesus Christ, as a part of his church, as a part of the bride of Christ that should mark and brand you and I in every day. And there is nothing, nothing wrong about looking forward to that day. I was once accused when I was a, a young adult person and I was fired up for Jesus. Somebody said, you know, somebody's going to pop your bubble someday and you're just sort of too heavenly minded to be any earthly good. I hate that statement because it's really the other way around I've found in life. Most people are so earthly minded, they're no heavenly good. And so when we look at a passage like this about the wedding feast of the Lamb and all that stands before us, that is getting heavenly minded so we can come back and be earthly good. And we can do the will of God on this earth. But this is what the adversary does. He gets us to be myopic. All the other stuff going on in your life right now, it's consuming you. And you need to not let it become tunnel vision. You need to broaden your scope and see the beauty of what God has for the bride of Christ. You are part of that bride. You will be a part of that wedding and that feast if you're a follower of Jesus. If you're not a follower of Jesus, well, heaven requires sinlessness. So you're out of luck. Just like I was out of luck, and I could point to several people here out of luck. If luck is all we had. But we have the work of our bridegroom. And what Christ has done in shedding his blood and dying on the cross and being raised from the grave, breaking the power of sin and Satan and evil in this world, it can be applied to your life too. And you can be invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb. The invitation is open to everyone, including you. What does it take? Just a simple turning from the indifference and double-mindedness and the sin patterns of your life and say, Lord, I'm sorry, I repent. I turn from that. I now turn towards you. I'm going to be a follower of the lamb who was slain. And in that moment, regeneration happens. Sometimes it's a big deal. Sometimes it's a quiet deal. But there's a change. There's a transformation internally in the heart. Far too many people in our world today, even people sitting in churches trying to live the good life and do the good deeds and be the Christian that have never been transformed because Christ has come and changed their life. And he changes your life, sometimes in radical ways to begin with, but you want a trajectory where he changes it over time. And he is preparing you to be a beautiful bride. For he, the bridegroom, has a vision in this world and he has a vision for your life. For us as a body, even here as a church. The other passage that the bride of Christ starts to come from is a passage that's used a lot at weddings. And it's in Ephesians 5. 
It's interesting, in the New Living Translation, there's a title that's inserted in the New Living Translation, Spirit-Guided Relationship, Wives and Husbands, and that's good. In the NIV, this passage begins with verse 22, this section, this paragraph, and thankfully in the NLT, they begin rightfully where it should be in verse 21. It says this, and I'll just read this part straight through, and further submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands and everything. In our culture today, we don't really like to put this passage up there. We're rather embarrassed about it. Why? Because it seems to speak inequality, male and female, husbands and wives. But verse 21 says what? Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. It's in always, in all relationships, we're submitting to one another. And then when it pulls up for wives, it's just saying, all right, I'm going to talk to everybody here. For wives, just in this little bit, because we're all submitting to one another, this is how you submit. It's not being subdued. It's not being crushed. It's not being lorded over by your husband. But there is this mutual submission as he is sort of the leader and the head of the home as God has intended for it to be. And you submit to your husbands as we all submit to the Lord. And so it's a beautiful analogy of marriage. And he's bringing into this whole concept that he is the groom and the church is the bride of Christ. And so he's relating his relationship with human beings and changing and redeeming them to how we need to be living out our marriages. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the head of the church. I'm glad I'm not the head of this church. I just want you to know that every week I get up, every day I get up and say, Lord Jesus, this is your church. This is not my church. In fact, there's not a pastor in this valley that has a church. Did you know that? There's no pastor in this valley that has a church because it's Jesus's church. It's not their church. And we need to lead as he is the head and he's the one acknowledges it. And as the church submits to Christ, then wives submit your husbands in everything. It's a beautiful, mutual kind of submission, one to another, he's exhorting here. Then he says in verse 25, for husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed with the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. I often say when we're at a wedding that, you know, the whole passage that's used here, sometimes the guy's got the harder deal. Basically, the guy is supposed to love his wife as Christ loved the church. What did Jesus do for the church? He died for the church. Men, are you willing to die for your spouse to lay down your life for her? I'm not talking once when you get up and have a marriage ceremony. I'm talking about every day of your life. Jesus did this for his bride, for us as his church throughout all ages. He laid down his life for us. And then he flips it and turns it back around and says, hey, in your relationship one to another, you need to lay down your life for your wife, man. What does that mean to you? We could unpack that whole thing. But I think if you just pray to God, what does it mean for me to lay down my life for my wife this week? He'll reveal to you some Incredible things, but some hard things, maybe. You'll have the strength to do it because of what Christ has done for us. She will be holy and without fault. The Apostle Paul puts that in there, but he's mindful of what Christ is doing for his bride, us as a church. He wants a beautiful bride adorned with white linens, without spot or wrinkle, as we serve him, abandoned. And how is it that we get cluttered? I think we get cluttered in our garments because we allow them to get soiled by things of the world on our own personal agendas and our lack of faith. He says, don't go there. The passage continues on. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it as Christ cares for the church. And we are members of his body. As the scripture says, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again, I say each man must love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband. A lot to be able to look at there, but the reason I reference this passage today, a couple reasons, but a main one, 
is that as the bride of Christ and he the groom, we need to acknowledge that he wants us to prepare ourselves. Our job is to prepare ourselves to be a beautiful bride as we serve his purposes. His job is the grander vision, and he had it when he died for us, and he had it when he prepared this wedding uh, feast of the Lamb that's coming. And he has a grander vision for his church, his bride, but for your life as well. And we lead in that regard. The submitting and the respecting is mutual. It goes back and forth. How are you doing in submitting to the bridegroom? How are you doing in respecting your responsibility as part of the bride? So that's the second passage. The third passage is Hebrews 12. Time does not permit for me to read all of Hebrews 11, which is a beautiful passage. But it's the Hall of Fame chapter. Do you know that? It says this, by faith, we understood that the entire universe was formed at God's command. And what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. It was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. It was by faith that Enoch was taken up into the heavens without dying. It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as in his inheritance. It was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child even though she was barren and was too old. It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac a sacrifice when God was testing him. It was by faith that Isaac promised blessings for the future to his sons, Jacob and Esau. It was by faith that Jacob, when he was old and dying, blessed each of Joseph's son and bowed to worship as he leaned on his staff. It was by faith that Moses' parents hid him for three months when he was born. It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter and led them to the promised land. It was by faith that the people of Israel went, went right through the Red Sea as though they were on dry ground. It was by faith that Rahab, the prostitute, was not destroyed with the, pe- with the people in her city who refused to obey God, for she had given a friendly welcome to the spies that spied out the land. And so on it goes, enlisting person after person. It's the hall of fame. And then it says in Hebrews 12, Therefore... Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, those who had faith, those who adorned themselves with beauty, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and soils our garments. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, He endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Powerful passage. You're growing weary? Consider those who've come before you and the faith that they carried, and they stepped boldly into the future. Whatever God's calling you to do boldly in your life, be bold. Don't shy away from it. By faith, the grander vision of the bridegroom for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Do you think he enjoyed doing the cross in his human essence? No, but for the joy, the vision of the grander wedding feast of the lamb, he endured the cross so that all could be gathered from every tribe and language and nation. I'm excited to to have Keith and Sarah here next week from Thailand. And the guy's bold, man. You don't want to miss Keith coming and sharing out of his heart next week. And why is he there in Thailand? Because he's helping prepare the bride from around the world. There's sacrifices that are made by our international workers, our missionaries. Just like the sacrifice of Jesus. But Jesus is calling you and I to sacrifice as well. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. We keep our eyes set on that. Do not grow weary. That's the third passage. The fourth passage, I need to set it up with this picture. This is a picture of Buckingham Palace being prepared for a great banquet. I never really found out what they were doing for their uh, reception yesterday at the royal wedding. But you can imagine it happening in a place such as this. And they're preparing the table. Now, wouldn't it be cool to be seated around that? 
There you get some of the vision of the marriage feast of the Lamb. I don't know what it's going to take. God's miraculous, but we're all going to have a good seat. Jesus tells this story in Luke 14. A parable, a man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to tell the guests, come, the banquet is ready. But they all began making excuses. One said, well, I have just bought a field and I must inspect it. Please excuse me. My house is closing this next week and I really want to go and get it ready. Another one said, I have just bought five pairs of oxen and I want to try them out. Please excuse me. I just got a new car. Or I just got some new employees in my business and I got to manage them. Or I got some new tech equipment I want to fire up and get using so it can help me in my business. And another said, I just got married, so I can't come. I'm thinking, he's got married, that's a pretty big deal. I think that's a legitimate excuse. It goes on. The servant returned and told his master what they had said. His master was furious and said, go quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. After the servant had done this, he reported, there is still room for more. So his master said, go into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone you find to come. So that house, so that the house will be full for none of those I invited I first invited will get even the smallest taste of my banquet. You ever have somebody tell you a story, but you realize as they're telling it, it's not a story about someone else. It's actually their opinion. I believe that's true with this story of Jesus. Jesus has the vision as the bridegroom. And as he beckons, the bride from around the world and in this valley. He is calling that bride to prepare herself with good works and fine linens. For that invitation to go out and for people to come and to be a part of that vision which he as the bridegroom has. But as the invitation goes out, there's a lot of scuttle happening. And people are given excuses. I got more important things to do. I know that's important to go to that banquet and that sounds like a great thing, but I'm really consumed with this myopic issue in my life. And the individuals ignore the banquet. That servant that came back told his master, they're all too busy, all too busy to be consumed with your grander vision. And the master, and I believe our Lord and Savior, gets righteously angry and he says what this is the big deal this is no nice little royalty thing happening in the uk this is the wedding feast of the lamb all of eternity go back out he tells the servant and you find people whether it's the the poor and the blind and the lame the downtrodden the broken person in life or whether it's an individual that has never had a rightful invitation given to them to come. Go out onto the highways and the byways of life, it says in other place of Scripture. And you compel them to come in. He tells the servant that. And he tells you and I that. Jesus wants his banquet table to be full. But he will never coerce anybody. He's not coercing anybody in this room to be a follower of him. But his spirit speaks and the invitation is given. And it's up to you as to if you would choose to open the door. Remember that door of Jesus standing and knocking in book of Revelation? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens the door, I'll come into him. And the artist who depicts that picture, it doesn't have a handle on the outside. The handle's on the inside because you are on the inside and you need to open up the door, step aside, and let Christ in. And we need to give that message to other people and he will transform their life. But the invitation does not get sent unless we do the good deeds and prepare ourselves as a bride to step into that. I long for that day. There's days in life where I sit back and say, Lord Jesus, take me. 
I'm ready to be found in your presence. I mentioned to you a couple of weeks ago that a friend of mine, age of 51, four kids, died of a heart attack unexpectedly. Makes you pause when you're in your 50s when that happens. But his life was well lived and he lived his life flat out for inviting people into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And that wedding supper of the Lamb, when he's seated, he's going to have other people to the left and to the right and they're going to say what? Hey, thanks for inviting me. Man, I wouldn't have wanted to miss this. This is great. Thanks. High fives. Just like we do the halftime when we do the, the, the sharing and, and greet one another here. Sometimes I got to say, sit down, y'all. Y'all, too much community and too friendly. That's going to happen then. People engaged in conversation and hallelujahs and declaring to the Lamb. But they're also going to be embracing you and I because you had a part in their life coming to know Him. There is nothing sweeter and doing kingdom service and to see someone you've invested your life in step across that line of faith and said, I'm going to follow it. Are you investing your life in some people right now? Are you inviting them to the marriage supper of the Lamb? Are you letting them know that their lives can be cleansed because of the blood of Jesus Christ and transformed? And that everyone is invited, but everyone has to choose and make that decision. Friends, that's what we, if I can say this, are in the business of doing as the bride of Christ. Preparing ourselves, good works. We are building bridges of trust with people that can bear the weight of truth. Some of that truth is bad news because we're sinners. There is no good news, as they say, unless we understand the bad news. We don't anchor on the bad news. Everybody knows they're sinners, even the most belligerent people that are denying where they're at. But we have the good news to give to a world. And that's what our primary job is. It may not be Bible thumping them. I'm not talking about that or sharing a specific witness. You need to know Jesus. But are you building those bridges of trust that can bear the weight of truth and give that invitation for them to be a part of the marriage supper of the Lamb? Sign me up. When I was a young person, it was actually at a youth camp that I said, sign me up, Jesus. I'm ready to do that with my life. Yeah, whatever vocationally I can get some income from to make a living and have a house and, you know, those kinds of things. But sign me up for the big deal. And the big deal is being a part of what God's doing, his grander vision, what Christ is doing, the beauty of the bride and the grander vision of the groom. Last week, I shared with you a possible step for us as a church. I sent out a letter. Andy, you did a great video from last week. Thanks, friend. You can watch that video online. Some of you maybe did it. But I want you to know the ability for us to consider stepping to a new location and a new building doesn't have anything to do with this church. It has everything to do with the groom. And we, as the bride, prepare ourselves in fine linens of good deeds, whatever it takes to be able to see a grander ministry happen, I believe, in this valley. There's all kinds of questions. We've had meetings this week. We're going to have a meeting and, and a prayer time this afternoon, prayer times this week that are coming up. I just want you to know that as the pastor who's trying to lead a body of people from a facility, and this church started in an elementary school, and then they took on the opportunity to move to this place. And now I believe we're at a place to be able to see something else. Why? Because we want it to become bigger and better and look at us? No, but because Jesus wants us, I believe, to have a step of faith that emboldens us to invite more people to the wedding feast of the Lamb. Urge anyone you find to come so that the house will be full. Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb. I've been through this as I shared last week a few times in my life. Leading a body of people from one place to the next. And some people get tremendously excited and other people get tremendously apprehensive. I'm just going to ask for grace and seeking of God fresh and new without any agenda and say, Lord, what do you want for this place and what do you want for me in my life? Because that's where I had to come to in this. I was sitting in my lazy boy just having a grand old time a few weeks ago. 
for two years, we've looked here or there trying to find another facility maybe we should go to. We thought we had something a couple years ago and it didn't materialize. The Lord Jesus just simply said, why don't you get out of your chair and go do something for the king? I was bothered that I was bothered by some news I'd gotten prior in that week. And was news about something I should have not been bothered by, by other Christians. But I was bothered. And I got bothered that I was bothered. I'm like, what am I doing? I'm myopic. I've allowed this. I'm not looking at this. Lord Jesus, open me up to your grander vision. And he says, son, I called you here for a purpose. And that purpose was to lead and to lead well. I don't know if God has this facility for us to take on or not. But we've stepped out and we're stepping out by faith to say, is this something that we can take on? It's not the building. The building's just a facility. It's brick and mortar. I've built brick and mortar before. I one time said, it's not always the field of dreams. If you build it, they'll come. Sometime if you build it, you just have a mortgage payment. But the facility has to facilitate the vision of the people that God has called to move forward. And there is some dynamic for us being positioned in this place, which is along the interstate, more prominent in the central area, for us to be a regional church and just not be a community church, for us to be able to have a facility that we can build out in such a way that it's an arm and a muscle to do evangelism and outreach during the week and to be able to have that building actually help pay for itself by our ability to rent and lease it out to different groups. I got a call this week. I'm like, how did I get a call this week? Where's nothing settled on this? Somebody saying, hey, can I rent that space? For my group for a period of time? I'm like, well, hold your horses. You could help pay the lease payment and the mortgage a little bit, but right now I'm not sure what's going to happen. And the reason I'm not sure what's going to happen is not because I don't have, and this was asked in a meeting that we were in this week. The question was asked, Carrie, do you have a conviction about this place and we're supposed to move to it? And second is, do you have a conviction or do you have a sense of peace in your own spirit? And my answer to both those questions, ironically, because I was just sitting in my lazy boy enjoying my lazy life a few years, weeks ago, maybe, was like, yes and yes. I have a conviction about this move and I have a peace about this move. There was a third question. No, the person had sent it to me in an email, but he wasn't willing to articulate out loud. So I did. I said, the third question you sent to me this week is probably better than those two. And that is, is there any carry in this? Is there any ego in it? And that's a good question. But as I've sought God in this and these steps, I can say no. I believe the bridegroom is calling us to have a grander vision. And he's asking us as a bride to prepare ourselves. And that preparation is by faith foremost. When I've walked bodies of people through this before, in particular in my own life, the miracle is not getting into a new building. The miracle is the change of heart and the faith that's built in the lives of the people on the journey. And that pleases our Lord Jesus. And so as we look at this, and we got a couple weeks here, really just to find out, can we take this on? Met with the realtor and talked to the owner again this week. I just lay it before the Lord. If it's not of him, it's not of him. But it, I would be amiss if I didn't rally us and say, is there skin in the game? By faith. Some of that's going to be financial initiative. And you've been asked to make a commitment. And I know it's a fast, hurried things, but as, as Debbie said in our group this week, Debbie Gibbler says, sometimes God happen, does things quickly. There's been a history building, but then in the moment it starts to change. And I believe that's the case. We've been looking at this whole facility issue for us to stay here. We're going to be stacking our rent back up to twelve, fourteen thousand a month again, and these facilities don't function for us. Some of you are tired of your kids almost getting hit going across the road to the children's building. But Jesus is calling us to consider what we do. Some of that's financial. Some of it has to sacrifice of you giving your time, of you stepping up into roles to help fulfill some ministry functions that don't even exist right now. Some of it has to do with some of the skills that are represented here, construction, whatever. If we move into this facility, there's some wet sweat equity because there ain't going to be no money to do much build out necessarily unless we jump in and we give our time and our talents. So Awakening Vision 2018, if you want to know more about it, you can watch the video from last week. Glad to interact and talk on it some. We are looking at this possibility, and I want us to just pray. 
I want to describe our mission there has disciple making, community building and missional living. Those are the three values. I won't drill back down into those, but these are maybe sort of new to you. There is a front door dynamic that we want to craft transformational weekend worship gatherings. Hopefully that's what something like this is and it's not too, you know, a waste of time. I want to see people's lives changed and transformed. This facility gives us that front door that's a bigger front door. The side door will always be the neighborhood missional community life groups. Life done in mission together, supporting, caring for one another. It's not about what happens at the building. It's what happens out in our neighborhoods and our lives one with another. And we'll continue to, to look at developing healthy, functioning life groups around the community. One of our life groups meets in one of those houses right behind that facility. But then there's this back door, the community outreach in initiatives, all kinds of creative things that can be done. But this idea that the facility actually becomes a venue or an event center that has programs operating in it, whether before and after school care, summer day camps, we can have other kinds of uh, things for preschool, other kinds. Of, we can craft programs that minister to our community. There's, I drove by a larger church this week, and I hear there's usually uh, cars in the parking lot. But this particular one, on this particular day, I drove by, and there was two cars, and it was a huge, it's a big church. And I thought to myself, that's not what I want to see. I want to see the parking lot filled with cars because the facility is being used during the course of the week. And so a venue event center is going to have programs to it. It's going to have events to it. It's going to have rental to it, so the rental income brings in income for us to be able to suffice a larger facility. But keep that in mind, front door, back door, side door, back door. This facility helps in particular with the front door and the back door. Here's the key to the back door. Oh, side door too. Front door too, I guess. (laughs) We're building relationships of trust that bear the weight of truth. So we're looking at ways that we can have interaction and have community connections built through the programs and the dynamics of the facility so that that facility then is able to enable us to build them a bridge that will bridge them to Christ, to the bridegroom. A journey forward, question marks. Last week we said it's moving from the red dot to the yellow star. Scattered throughout this valley, even more that aren't on this particular map, the new Clinton-Keith Road helps us get there a lot quicker. Uh, as, as we look to the future, only 15 minutes from my house on the east side of French Valley to the Yellow Star. Some of the, you live in this room, you're happy that it's at the Yellow Star maybe because that's going to be closer for you. Look at all the houses. The strip mall is the old furniture row. Didn't quite make it as a furniture row back in the recession era. It's now got a lot of other amenities that will be working available for us. This was a UFIT health club that didn't go, out, go well. And so it's been open. And that owner, new owner, is actually willing to sell it. It's by the In-N-Out Burger. You're not going to be able to have a hard time telling people where your church is anymore. In-N-Out Burger, next door. Praise God. (laughs) Plenty of parking. Not only in that parking lot, but the whole road behind it. It's a big room. I want to invite you to come see that room today at 1 o'clock. After church, informal, reception, gathering, whatever you want to call it, in and out Burger, Los Alamos, 215. You can go eat somewhere else. Miguel Jr.'s is there too. But at 1 p.m., we're going to open up the building, and I want you to come. I want you to come. We're going to circle up, and we're going to have a word of prayer in there. We're not going to spend too much time. And we're going to ask God, is this of you? And what is it you're calling me to do personally? Schematic plans, we've got to figure out long-term build-out, and then we come back and figure out short-term build-out. Talk to a guy for an hour this week on this very issue. Maybe a soft launch in August. Maybe a hard launch in September. You've got to get a conditional use permit and some other things that we've already begun to check into. What would that take? It takes time. But that would be our goal if that's God's leading. And in your hands and your program is a copy of the commitment card. And all we're asking people to do is just pray. Just pray and ask God what he would have you to do. Just pray and listen. And then be obedient. Sometimes it's bigger than you think. 
Sometimes it's smaller than you think of a financial gift. And it's not just like, oh my gosh, I have a lot of cash laying around here. Some of it's we need to cut our expense. I was thinking about this. I was talking to Joe about it this week, wasn't I? You know, how much is, uh, uh, or someone else I was talking to, a Starbucks, four fifty a cup. Just cut back on one Starbucks a week, right? 4.3 weeks, you're giving $20 a month that you didn't have. I'm not, no, nothing against people drinking Starbucks. I know I don't really do that. But think of the ways that you can cut, be able to give. Well, what would it be like to give a, a monthly commitment for 12 months above our normally tithe and giving? I don't know. I know I've bought in cars before without an auto, a lot of thought put into it, and I have a four or five year payment sometimes. Surely you could take on a car payment for a year, maybe, if God led. Maybe it's something more, maybe it's something less. So it's really not the money issue, it's the faith issue, what God's calling us to. Equal sacrifice, not equal gifts, is a phrase that's used sometimes when churches come together to make something happen. But you see that comment column? I want you to do this. And you can give your word, weak or strong, that's fine. We're willing to receive all voices. Just put your name on it. I don't think it's right to be able to hide behind an anonymous comment. But maybe it's not that you can do the financial thing now, but you could give some time, some hours. Maybe you have skills carpentry skills, hospitality skills, marketing skills, graphic skills, you name it, that you want to give that and you want to give some time. You mark that in the comments section. This is an all in. This does not happen unless we're all in. And I would not lead this church unless there was a sense of us being in together as a body. I'm going to invite Joe to come up. And the angel said to me, write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb. And he added, these are the true words that come from God. We're going to close, and I'm going to just have you bow your head and close your eyes as it relates to maybe what that commitment is that God has for you. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to sing a hymn after that. You pray with me. God, we thank you for your love and sending your son. The royal wedding this weekend and the preacher even at the wedding talked about the power of love. And Lord, our ability to love you and you to love others through us is a power this world needs. Our neighbors need, our friends need, our co-workers need. And so we would ask, Lord Jesus, that you would come and move us as a people in the direction you want us to go. If we're to seize this relocation thing in the next couple of weeks with our commitments and our faith and our offer of service and and gifts and, and time, the Lord, your spirit move across this place in incredible ways, even with newer people that are here, Lord. God, some people have endured many years in seeking to build and establish the foundation of this church. Lord, bless them and renew their hearts at this season. But Lord, all of us together, may your spirit speak and may we just simply ask, Lord, what would you have us to do? And so, Lord, in these quiet moments, I just ask that you would reveal that to souls. Lord, we know the next two weeks we have opportunities to turn in commitments to see if we can reasonably take on a lease that's going to enable us to maybe then purchase the building as well. But Lord, you lead on your people. Lord, I pray no one in this room or outside of this room who knows this news would do anything except by your voice speaking to them, whether quietly or audibly. Lord Jesus, we want your wedding feast table to be full. And we want our friends there. So Lord, as we pray, not only here, but as we have our prayer meeting on Wednesday night here in this room, at 6.30 and then next Wednesday night at the facility, Lord, out front. May we have a sweeping movement of prayer and unity in this body and the adversary in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ who have no rights whatsoever to seek to bring division or divisiveness or doubt or confusion into a body of people such as this. You were defeated at the cross and the blood that was slain by the lamb has brought about your defeat. And this is for the glory of the groom, the grander vision of the groom as we prepare ourselves to be a part of the beauty of the bride.
we're going to sing to him amazing grace can we put that picture back up of the chariot going down the long aisle I'm dressed up today because of the big wedding this weekend but it's not that big wedding will you sing amazing grace with me Joe amazing grace how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. moment. Frank Johnson, Johnson and Lori Shelley are uniting their lives together in a holy matrimony in this moment. Now, and the children are all the flower children, because Frank teaches in elementary, and it's only fitting. They're going to have the bigger deal in October, what we're referring to is a celebration of the vows. But this is truly a moment where they're going to speak their vows and be united together. Lori is wearing the dress of her mom. Dennis and Carol Ireland will be married 50 years June 3rd. June 6th. This wicked June. And so she's wearing mom's dress in honor of her today and Frank you don't look too bad <laughs> gonna have you guys turn around and face me we're keeping it short and simple the grander moment will happen in October, right? I won't give the message because the message was already given. We await the marriage supper of the Lamb. But your lives as you are married to one another are to reflect that relationship Christ has with his bride, the church. And so as Ephesians says, mutual submission, laying your life down for one another. So, Frank and Lori, would you turn to one another and hold each other's hands to the flowers? I, Frank, take you, Lori, to be my wife. To have and to hold from this day forward, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish until we are parted by death. As God is my witness, I give you my promise. I, Lori, take you, Frank, to be my husband, to have and to hold from this day forward, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health to love and to cherish until we are parted by death as God is my witness I give you my promise 
I believe you have rings. Frank, if you would place the ring on Lori's finger. With this ring, I thee wed. With all that I have and all that I am, I honor you. And Lori, you can place the ring on Frank's finger. With this ring, I thee wed. With all that I have and all that I am, I honor you. I'm going to invite you to light your unity candle. Come back, face the family that's here before you, and we're going to pray a prayer of blessing. extend your hands and a blessing over their life. Lord, for Frank and Lori, the journey that they've been on through the years, the highs and the lows, the beauty and the pain. You are bringing beauty out of ashes as this couple is married together before your presence and before these family and friends. And Lord, we just extend your blessing upon Frank and Lori's life, their faithful service of seeking to know and honor you. Lord, may you take their lives now together and multiply it in a beauty of ways, not only for the companionship and for the uniting of two families, but Lord, for your kingdom's glory and for the work that you want them to do, to share that good news, to give the invitation to others who can be a part of the wedding feast of the Lamb. Lord, we thank you for the sanctity of this moment. Lord, we know there'll be the fuller celebration in October. But Lord, in this moment, as they fully become married and they bring together their two families, may you just give them a tremendous sense of joy and wonder all over again in life. And Lord, may we wrap our arms around them as well as extending our prayers and welcome them afresh and new into the family of this body who seeks to be your bride in all things. In your name we pray. Amen. Stay seated. The ushers are going to come to receive the Lord's tithes and offerings. If you want to throw your commitment card in there, you can as well, or you can put it at the back. We're going to sing the hymn all the way through. And I like the last verse of the hymn. Many of you know it. But let's sing this as an act of worship. It was their request that Amazing Grace be the song they use here for this hour. Frank and Lori. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Twas grace, twas grace that's on my heart. How precious did that grace appear The hour I first Shining 
eyes the sun and we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we'd first begun amazing grace how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me how once was lost but now I'm found was blind but now I see Amen.